Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina Coast to Coast podcast. I'm your host, John Siegley, and I'm joined, as always, by Cheryl McMillan and Sean Moran. We are sponsored by John T-Shirt and JohnTshirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. However you are listening to this podcast, whether it's on the iTunes uh, podcast app, if you're listening on Megaphone or through the message board, or if you're watching on YouTube, please rate and subscribe to the Inside Carolina podcast. It really helps us a lot to know how many of you are actually subscribed and getting our podcast. Also, if you have the time, leave us a review, please. It doesn't take very long. Let us know if we are meeting expectations. And if we're not, let us know what we can do to improve. We always want to see what the Tar Heel fans listening have to say about us. We really appreciate it. Guys, it's been a minute since we talked. I know last week uh, there was a big basketball breakdown podcast that you were on, Sherelle. But this week we are back with the Coast to Coast. Sean got the uh, week off. I hope that you enjoyed it out there in sunny California. Uh, but you know, guys, we do have a little bit of news. And so it wasn't a bad time to take a break because just recently it broke that Jaden Bradley, who correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's the number one rated uh, player in North Carolina was in North Carolina for class of 2022. He's a six, two point guard. The news came out that he is actually going to be transferring down to IMG Academy in Florida. Now, the board, of course, really started talking about this, and there was a lot of, of heated discussion about what this maybe meant for his recruitment. So let's just kind of start with the instant reactions, and we can dig a little bit deeper in. So, Sean, because you had the week off, going to start with you, buddy. <laughs> uh, when you saw that, that um, Jane Bradley was going to be heading down to Florida, what was your immediate take? Um, I think the immediate take was I, I wish maybe he had done it one year later. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if it'll matter in the like, grand scheme of things, but, uh, you know, one more year in the state of North Carolina, uh, especially with, you know, who knows whatever travel restrictions may be in place. But, you know, just having him close to home, you know, close to attend games, especially his junior year, uh, especially a more improved team this season as well would have been nice. But, at the end of the day, who, who really knows how much difference it will make? Um, you know, Armando was not too far away in, in Richmond, and, and he was down at IMG for his senior year. Um, but once again, it's, it's at least a, a well-known and quality school and not an extremely sketchy school that he's transferring to. But at the same time, it would have been nice to have him in North Carolina and easy access to the team and some games this year. Yeah, what was your take on that, Sherelle? And have you heard anything maybe from any sources that – have given an, an indication that this may impact Bradley being re recruited by UNC moving forward? Uh, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I think my initial reaction was one of those things where it's, it's tough for the local area. I live in Concord and his school is, you know, 10 minutes from my house, if that. And so it's kind of a bummer for everyone locally because he's such a great player, um, you know, a burgeoning star who, 
uh, is now gone. And this is one less player. And it happened a couple of years ago in the same area with Jaden Springer, who lived you know, not far from here <clears throat> and decided to transfer down to IMG. So it's a, a very similar situation. As far as it relates to UNC, I don't think it's a huge deal. Like Sean said, maybe just um, the fact that, you know, Concord to Chapel Hill is a couple hours um, versus, you know, IMG to Chapel Hill is a flight and kind of an all-day thing or a really, really long drive. So I think it hinders them in that way. But besides that, I don't think it's a big deal. IMG is a very respected, well-known program. Um, it is definitely somewhere you go to develop to get ready, not just for college, but also um, in his case for the NBA. So I think it's a good move for him you know, for his basketball career. Like I said, I just think it's a, a bit of a bummer for the folks in North Carolina, but he has to do his best for him. Um, and from a Carolina perspective, you know, they recruited IMG heavy. Uh, Jaden Springer had an offer last year. And then the year before that, excuse me, in the class of 2019, they offered three players on the team, Josh Green, Armando Baycott, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl, all were down at IMG. So they spent a, a ton of time there. Um, they know the staff well. Um, and, you know, up from Sean's area, Sean McAloon is the coach um, down at IMG, and he was also Ed Davis's high school coach, and then he coached Armando Baycott. So there's at least familiarity there. So I don't think it's a, a negative for UNC other than he's going to be a lot farther from Chapel Hill than he was before. And maybe the the gap may work in Carolina's favor there in terms of, like, the, the travel and the coaches being able to, to see him. I know you said, Sean, that you wish he had actually waited a year and then gone – but while this – obviously the, the upcoming season is going to be some lost opportunities, maybe when we're talking about six, eight, 12 months from now, the staff will be able to, to get down to Florida and see him a little bit more often. I would hope so anyways. I wanted to ask, though, a quick follow-up is you mentioned, Sherelle, about how IMG really is known for developing players, and this is something that Bradley obviously, obviously thought was in his best interest as far as being the best player he can at college and the pro level. I mean, Sean, when you're looking at the, the, the product that IMG has been putting on the court recently, I mean, these are five-star, really highly recruited kids. So do you see this as an opportunity for Bradley to maybe improve his overall game just a little bit, uh, maybe compared to what he would have been playing back in North Carolina? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he'll be, you know, who knows who's on their team next year, but as you mentioned, always a very highly talented team, one of the few teams that at least gave Monver this year a, a run for their money for a little bit. But they'll be, you know, probably a top five team next year as well. So every day in practice, really good coaching system, um, a lot of talented players, a national schedule. So no doubt he'll get better, especially not having that national competition this summer on the AAU scene. Um, I think, you know, it goes a little bit down the road. You know, right now you look at kind of the offer list and, you know, you have North Carolina and then you know, some SEC, some other schools, no real huge names. Um, and once again, going into your junior year, into the junior season, that's where a lot of those offers will come. Um, I definitely think the national schedule will open them up to probably a lot more competition. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think the main competition could realistically be the G League. Um, and how does that play in, especially right now, he's rated, I think, number number 12 in the country. So, of course, they're going to be after him. It'll be interesting to see where the G League is at come come that time. But I could easily see North Carolina's main competition uh, being from the G League, especially coming from IMG in a national program. What do you think about, Rail, about the, uh, the G League? Do you think Bradley maybe fits the mold of someone that they would go to to try to have, uh, to have them sign that um, contract right out of high school? Yeah, so it's funny because um, I guess it was maybe a year or two ago, 
when all the news broke that, hey, they're trying to end one and done and it's going to be over after the 2021 class and 2022 is going to be the first class to be able to go straight to the NBA again, uh, you know, without having to sit out a year or go overseas or do a G League. <clears throat> and so when that happened, we started talking to parents and saying, you know, is this something you're considering? Are, are the coaches talking about it? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And um, the first player really that came to our attention was Jaden Bradley. And it was because he's highly rated. Um, he's really good. <laughs> and he was yeah. really the only player at that time we really knew in 2022. And it was like, well, do you even recruit him knowing that there's a chance that if this happens, he could go straight to the NBA. Now it looks like one and done will still, uh, the rule will still be there, but you'll be able to go to the G league. So it's the same situation. Now you just substitute going straight to the NBA for the G league. So I, I definitely think it's a major consideration um, because he will have, you know, if he continues to get better and, and play well, um, he's going to have, uh, you know, be surrounded by really talented guys he's going to have the opportunity he, I mean, he came from a really good program in North Carolina at Cannon School mm -hmm. where they won you know a state uh, private school championship but now he's going to a school that's going to have guys you know six and seven and eight division one players on the roster and so he was already ranked that high playing with solid to good players imagine how good he's going to look playing with great players from across the country so I, I think it's a, a, a huge consideration that the coaching staffs of the schools that offer him have to really think about and say, well, you know, is he going to pursue this option? It, it, they might be so frank to just ask him and say, hey, is this something that you might consider? Because we need to know we need to know now. Um, so I, I think it's a huge consideration. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys. Good stuff. Um, anything else to add on Bradley? If not, we can take a quick commercial break. We good? We're good. All right. So uh, then, like I said, we want to take a moment to talk about our long-term friends and sponsors, Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. They are your place to go for Carolina gear. Father's Day is literally right around the corner, um, and depending on when you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> it, it could be just a matter of days away. So if you are looking for a gift, head over to GiantT-Shirt.com where they have you absolutely covered. Uh, they have anything that you could want for the Tar Heel fan and father in your family, whether that be a replica jersey some grill accessories, a hat, literally any, anything that you can imagine, Giant T-Shirt has you covered. Uh, they also have a lot of sales going on with the football and basketball jerseys, so make sure that you check those out. And don't forget that if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get 10% off of your orders there at Giant T-Shirt or GiantT-Shirt.com. You can get that 10% off code from the Tar Pit Premium Message Board or the Basketball Premium Message Board. So Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. All right, guys, moving on to our second topic, and this is going to go back to something that Sherelle posted in the Weekly Scoop, which was a pretty good breakdown of Angelo Breezy, who is from Warrenson, Virginia. He is currently listed as a three-star guy. He has a 92.5 overall. He's in the top 150 according to the 247 Sports Composite, 138. Now, he's a point guard, 6'3", and I thought it, it was interesting that kind of the – the theme of what I felt you wrote in the scoop rail was that um, Breezy is someone that his, his ranking and play has really improved, maybe more than what some people anticipated early on in his high school career. And the Tar Heel staff is just keeping an eye on him right now. So when you were getting this background information, I mean, I personally hadn't seen a whole lot on Breezy before reading the article. So was this something that um, you felt maybe came out of the blue or is he a guy that Carolina maybe had their eye on and just the recent development is really what led to his recruitment, maybe taking it up a notch. 
Yeah, so <clears throat> we talked with his, with him and then his coach, uh, Coach Hooker at Highland um, in Virginia. And basically what he said was, if you think about NFL teams, they have like a big board. Like uh, Brizzy was on UNC's big board and a lot of schools' big board, but he wasn't in the offered category just because he's a player they wanted to you know see more of in the spring and summer evaluation periods. And of course, you know, those aren't happening. Um, who knows, you know, what's going to happen with that if there will be any basketball at all anytime soon. Um, but because they didn't get a chance to see him, it was kind of a situation where they had to say, okay, either we're going to offer now or we're just going to hold out hope that maybe we'll see him play sometime later this year. And uh, basically, you know, I think they're, that's kind of where they're at now is they like him, but they really would like to see him play a couple of times um, in person again. Uh, just to, um, you know, just get a better feel for him. But if that doesn't happen, then, you know, basically what his coach said is that Carolina and a couple other schools are going to have to make a decision, um, even without watching him play, just watching him on film. And that's kind of where it stands now is that he's talked to Roy Williams, which is a huge step is, you know, anybody who listens to this know um, that, you know, once you have a conversation with Roy Williams, as far as a Carolina recruitment, it's in a different level than other players who maybe have only talked with an assistant. So they're showing seriousness with him, but it's not at the level of an offer just yet. Gotcha. And then, um, Sean, was Breezy someone that you had been keeping an eye on? Have you watched much film of him prior to hearing about that the Tarheel staff was maybe stepping up their interest in him just a bit? Prior to hearing about Roy Williams having a call, I knew the name. Um, you know, being from Virginia, I would heard the name, but I hadn't paid a whole lot of attention to it. I think once uh, a few other bigger schools started getting into the mix, so Michigan, Villanova, then all of a sudden UNC – and, you know, especially right now where there are not any games going on and coaches are taking a lot of time to evaluate, but you look at him and, and scout, he was, you know, 200 plus, um, et cetera. So here's a guy that obviously the coaches were watching film of and, and liked, um, you know, liked enough to, you know, for Michigan, Villanova, et cetera, to offer and uh, same with Arizona and then UNC to have the call. Um, so then at that point in time, everybody started watching the highlight tapes and, you know, I don't know if it's him or somebody in his family that's doing all the, the YouTube tapes, but you watch them and you're like, man, like <laughs> these, these, these highlight tapes look great. The guys hitting threes from, you know, the, the volleyball line in high school, which, you know, probably a few feet behind the NBA three point line, um, you know, throwing down dunks as he drives to the lane and you're like, like, man, like, where is this kid coming from? Um, I think, you know, luckily we've been able to watch a few full game tapes. Uh, initially it was a full quarter, then it was some full game tapes. And, you know, it's funny contrasting the, the full game and then the highlight tape. So the game I was watching earlier, um, it was Highland versus Cape Henry. He had 30 points and, and six rebounds and a win, obviously really good numbers. Um, and you watch the highlight tape and you're like, man, this kid can do it all, um, you know, off, off from right now. But when you watch the game tape, you know, you see the good with the bad, um, you know, in, in this particular game, start off a little slow, just kind of jacking some, some deep shots um, and just trying to get into rhythm. Eventually, you know, started hitting a few and, and kind of caught fire a little bit in the third quarter with some drives and some threes. I think the things that stuck out to me the most and, and Sherelle hit on this in the, in the article, but one, he, he loves to push the tempo. Um, the high school loves to push the tempo. So, as soon as he gets the ball out of bounds, he is up the court. And whether that's taking a deep three, um, trying to attack the basket, uh, passing the ball to a teammate, 
he's moving. Um, so obviously that fits Carolina very well. Um, you know, there's a few times he hit actually more than a few times where he hit, uh, the man in stride, kind of like Kendall Marshall did back in the day of, you know, three quarter court pass, et cetera. Once again, when he did get going, he had a few of those deep threes. Other times, you know, the thing I'd say the concerning points and, and which is why he's, you know, even rivals who moved him up, I think they moved him up to 118. So still not a top 100 guy. And if you're going to Carolina, you know, top 100, you know, maybe, but really top 50 type, type player, um, you know, not the quickest when he was trying to actually get by a defender, uh, really strong with his left hand and uh, could put the pressure on the defense, but usually needed kind of, uh, you know, a left to right crossover or a step back, you know, kind of potentially one to three moves to get by a defender at times. Um, right hand when he was pressured full court, he um, wasn't, wasn't nearly as strong on that hand. So always reverted back to the left mm -hmm. hand. So once again, I think the, things that UNC will want to see from him is how can he get to the basket? Um, he got his shot blocked a few times in the, the first quarter. And then, um, you know, how is it, his shot release is really quick, but it's low. So right now in high school, he can get off pretty much anytime he wants, but when you're going against taller, longer, quicker defenders, um, when you do the step back, how does that, you know, how does that affect him? So yeah. once again, I think you watch the tape. There's a lot to like. He's, he's fun. He's flashy. He puts up a lot of points, but there are those concerns, which I think when you're a high major school, you need to be really strong on those if you're going to, you know, if he's going to be the point guard in that class. Yeah. And speaking about, you know, the, the guards in that 2021 class, you mentioned in the, the Scoop Shirelle, um a little bit about how Carolina is really looking to bring in additional guards, even after they went pretty guard heavy in the 2020 class. And that's just with the expected departures of guys like Caleb Love, who I think everyone anticipates will, will be going to the NBA after his one year in Chapel Hill. So, I mean, it, clearly at this point, I would be surprised if Breezy is the main target at point guard, but I think it just shows that the staff is really trying to cast a net as big as possible again for the second consecutive class. And I mean, I think it just goes along with coach Williams never wanting to be caught without a plethora of guards and especially shooters to choose from again in another season. Yeah, for sure. And you know, right now Kennedy Chandler is, is kind of the guy they're locked in on and you know, you can say you can ask the question of whether or not that's wise, considering the competition that they're facing. Um, he's a, a player who people have talked about um, potentially getting an offer from the G League, and then he's got offers from, you know, Kansas and Duke and Kentucky, and pretty much every major program is after him as well. Um, but that's that's who they kind of want right now. And we've talked to other players in the class who maybe we thought North Carolina might be interested in or, or might recruit, and that was kind of the word that you know they got back was like. They're, they're really into Kennedy Chandler. So I think he has kind of separated himself. And I think, uh, you know, the offer, a potential offer for Brizzy will definitely come, one, if they see him play and they like him. And then, two, if something were to happen where Chandler eliminated UNC or decided, um, you know, to go ahead and make a decision, then I think maybe that might, you know, push the timetable up on them deciding what they want to do with Brizzy. Um, mm. But it, the situation is good, you know, going back to something that we've said over and over again, I feel like over the last two years is that when you have someone like RJ Davis already in Chapel Hill, it gives you a little flexibility to kind of star um, hunt or, you know, chase the top guys because you have, you know, kind of a ready-made point guard already available. You know, he might not start 
um, at point guard this season, but he's someone who definitely can in the future. And then um, if there's a situation where they sign, just take the worst case scenario and say they sign no additional point guards in 2021. They still have R.J. Davis, and they still have Leaky Black to play backup. That might not be an ideal scenario, but it's one that they could probably live with if the situation got dire enough. So they're in a good spot where they can kind of take their time and assess things and and really go after players they really want, not players that you know they may um, have some interest in, but not but don't necessarily need. I'm going to rename this podcast the Coast to Coast Podcast slash the R.J. Davis Podcast because <laughs> some, somehow we all always mention that kid. Um, <laughs> I'd say Sherelle is just going to get like an RJ Davis shirt. It's going to be his, his, <laughs> his face. Um, what, what's your take on that though, Sean? I mean, is how Brizzy might, might fit in with, with some of the, of the other guys in the class. I mean, I think that is actually a very good point that with RJ Davis, I mean, we, I think we've seen just the a glimpse of what he could be, especially at the college level running a, an offense. And he's someone that a lot of people really expect to have that big improvement. So, I mean, if you're looking like someone like Breezy, who's a little bit taller, I know he's listed at like 6'3", I think, on his profile. His coach said he was 6'4". Do you think that that's maybe the style of guard that, that the staff is really wanting to try to get that bigger combo potential guard again? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at the, the offers, you have, uh, you know, Hunter Salas, who, you know, I'd say right now mostly a, a shooting guard, but has the potential to be kind of the 2-1. Um, and then you have Kennedy Chandler, who was one of the early offers. Uh, and Cheryl mentioned the top, you know, true point guard uh, that, that they are focused on. And, you know, is he realistic? Uh, you know, I, w- I wouldn't put my money on him committing to Carolina, but who knows? Um, but you kind of go down the whole list and there's not even, even the guys that they've looked at or, or in that top 100, there's not a lot of, you know, quality true point guards. So, you know, in terms of, of Angelo, you know, maybe maybe he's kind of a four-year guy that could come in and uh you know come in behind rj as a freshman and you know he's still have two more two more years of him at the same time you know you have a jane bradley in the next class that somebody is not going to be you know maybe thrown off by by angelo as well so you know maybe he is a you know a positive kind of backup you know start where it's where it's kind of low risk to bring him in right but yeah. At the same time, you know, you don't want to miss on him. I, I think, you know, for example, Jeremiah Francis, um, you know, great kid, you know, probably could have competed, you know, if he didn't have all the injuries. But if they're looking at another three years of him on scholarship, that kind of hurts if you can't really depend on him uh, from a from an injury and talent perspective. So once again, you know, I, I think it the risk is lessened with RJ. Um, knock on wood, you know, nothing – happens to, to him but you know once again I think you can't be ta- putting the scholarship on a guy that can't compete at the ACC level so you have to be sure that that he can yeah and then to kind of wrap up this part of the podcast um sure I mean moving forward do you think that the staff will kind of take a wait and see approach with him or um, do you think that this could be a situation where we do see a scholarship offer go off that maybe was a little bit on the unexpected side I think they'll ultimately end up offering him uh, just because <clears throat> okay, let me take a step back. I don't think there's going to be any kind of evaluation, evaluation periods anytime soon. And these kids are going to start to want to lock in their spots at whatever school they're going to go into, they're going to go to. And signing day 
you know, traditionally is uh, I think the second Wednesday in November, second or third Wednesday in November. And so um, if that stays true, then, you know, I think they're going to have to offer him and maybe not soon, maybe not this month, maybe not even in July. But I think once you get towards August and we realize that there's not going to be evaluation periods, they're going to have to make a decision, like his coach said, um, because maybe he's going to want to take an official visit. Uh, maybe he's going to want to just understand um, who really wants him. And, yeah. you know, regardless of how much you recruit someone and talk to them and like them and enjoy the conversations without an offer, you don't really want them. So I think that's what Carolina is is um, trying to decide. And like I said, I, I think they ultimately will, but um, I, I don't know when. Um, yeah. it, it could, like you said, I, I don't think it'll be June. Um, but after that, I think all bets are off. But by August 1st, I think they'll have to make a decision. Sean, would you agree with that? I would agree. And I mean, once again, I, I don't think they would maybe take him before they get a chance to watch him. But I would imagine – you know, with schools starting back up. So that's a plus. You know, we've talked in the past few months about, you know, maybe, maybe nothing happens till January. So at least as of now, things are starting back up. Um, you know, I think, you know, whether well, some protocols, but when he is in high school of, you know, they've got to, I think they've got to let the coaches at some point watch, watch the players. So how they do that is another question. So I would think that they are able to get some in-person views on him, but um, you know, I, I do think if you're going to have the conversations and you have, Arizona, Michigan, Villanova, other schools coming in and offering, you'll most likely have to offer at some point. You don't have to be first, but you don't want to just be, be holding out there if you are actually interested. So they might not get a chance to see him live, I should say, but they probably will be able to get some game tape because he actually is playing in a game this month. Um, so uh, I, I credit to a message board poster. I cannot remember the name of the poster at all to save my life, but they were the, you know, in the thread, they were like, Hey, he's, he's got a game, you know, they're going to be down in Atlanta in a couple of weeks. And I was like, what? I thought everything was canceled. And so the Lake Point facility down in, in you know, outside of Atlanta, where EYBL holds their, holds their stuff when they're there and Under Armour and Adidas too, it's like a huge facility um, for all kinds of sports. Um, but anyway, they have a tournament going on and it's on and scheduled. And Team Curry, who he was going to play for, is scheduled to play. So I just shot him a text and said, hey, are, are you guys playing in Atlanta in June? He said, I, I think we are. So that's a situation where, you know, and I hadn't thought about it until Sean just said that if he has a good game and the tape gets back to the Carolina staff somehow, I don't know how all that works, but if he has a good game and they see it, then maybe that will count as an in-person evaluation because it will be, you know, on the Under Armour circuit, presumably, or against team, other teams on the Under Armour circuit and then teams within the Atlanta area. So that's something to watch for as well. I guess I didn't even think about that, especially, you know, Atlanta that or Georgia that's opened up, you know, quicker than others of, you know, you start, you're starting to see a lot more uh, videos pop up, you know, even on the West coast, uh, you know, the Pangos all American camps that usually are a lot in California, but, you know, they went down to Arizona to kick things off. And, you know, a lot of the top high school players were, were going to that and then Utah. So, yeah, I didn't even think about that, but obviously going to the states that are, you know, quicker to open than others and <laughs> starting to have tournaments, obviously you have to probably regulate a little bit who's coming in, maybe not, um, but you know, that'll be interesting. Yeah, that's a really good good tidbit there, and um, I think it, it will be uh, very interesting to see, like you guys said, that if the tape does get back to the coaches, if maybe that's the thing um, that leads to the offer coming, so uh, stay, make sure to stay tuned to Inside Carolina and the Basketball Premium Message Board because whenever news does break, we'll have you covered there.
Uh, let's go and take our last commercial break, though, to get a word from our sponsors. And when we get back, going to wrap up the podcast with a little bit of a fun exercise that Inside Carolina's own Adrian Atkinson posted on Twitter. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. And we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with Cheryl McMillan and Sean Moran on our weekly Coast to Coast pod. So guys, as I mentioned before we went to break, uh, Adrian Atkinson, Inside Carolina's own stats, just genius, wizard, whatever whatever adjective you want to put in there. Um, he posted an interesting thing on Twitter that gave everyone $20 and a list of Roy Williams era players and said, pick your best seven. And I thought that was inter- interesting because normally, you know, you see the best five or starting five, whatever. This was seven, so you had to be a little bit more strategic. Uh, the, the three of us all created our top seven. So what we're going to do is go through and do point guard, shooting guard, small forward, a power forward center, and then bench players. And I think it'll be interesting to see. Uh, we'll have a little bit of a debate after we get done to see um, whose team we think might might win. And then also, if you guys, to whoever is listening, uh, make sure that you drop us a line on the message board. Let us know who do you think picked the, the best squad out of the three of us. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get this thing kicked off. Rel, let's start with you, man. Who did you go for your point guard? And I think I know who it is, but That's you can go ahead and say the name. <laughs> I picked Ray Felton for my point guard. He was uh, $5 on Adrian's chart. Yeah, um, I also went with Ray Felton for, for mine. I mean, for $5, I actually think that's that's low. Um, I was surprised that he was not six. Um, and for everyone listening who maybe didn't see the, the post, the top amount was seven. The bottom amount was $1. Um, so Ray Felton was five. Uh, Sean, who'd you pick as your point guard? I wanted to go Ray Felton, but I uh, ended up going Joel Berry. Ah, okay. Well, all of us picked a, a national championship winner there. Uh, no real surprise. And the way you had it, it's interesting because you start trying to figure out the best way to get value. I mean, you know, I feel a certain way about Felton, and a lot of people feel a certain way about Ty Lawson, who was uh, listed at $7. But I I think probably the $4 one was where you get the most value when you're trying to build a roster. Because I think it was Kobe uh, White, Kendall Marshall, Marcus Page, and Joel Berry. And I mean, you can, you could win some games, uh, obviously with those four, any one of those four at, at $4. And that helps you, you know, as you're trying to fill out your other six slots. So, so I, I did, I have two, kind of two teams, so I'll cheat. So I have the, the first, the team I did very, <laughs> the first one, the, well, the first one, and then the team that, all right, let me think about it. And both of the times I stuck with a $4 point guard, mm-hmm. um, definitely barrier the first one. Second one, I was Barrier Marshall. I, I think it goes back to, you know, he says the goal is to win a single game, assuming all players are at their collegiate peaks. You have Barry, who had big shots, um, you know, two straight championships. So I think that was why I took him. Uh, but, you know, depending on who you put him with, Kendall Marshall is a guy that, you know, with his assist rate, um, obviously the shooting's not as strong, I think 35%. But, I mean, the assist rate was pretty impressive. So he was a guy I was leaning towards, but, kept coming back to, you know, a single big game at their peaks and Barry, you know, he wasn't a Felton or Lawson, but he won and he, mm-hmm. he, he, he was tough. So that's why I went with him. Think about, you know, Kendall's peak. It's probably his last game at Carolina, which unfortunately was Creighton. Um, but I mean, that, if you ever go back and watch that game, he was hitting threes. He was, you know, he did, was doing everything. Like it was, it was, to me, that was like the best he could possibly play. Um, so yeah, I, I could see why people would pick Kendall there. Oh yeah, the the four dollar definitely had. I think that 
that was the biggest collection of talent maybe across all of the boards honestly was that four dollar point guard spot well um, so who would you guys take out of that four dollar if you had to just looking at those four joel for for me um just because of the ability to hit big shots i'd probably go marcus page because the ability to pass and hit big shots yeah um I mean, to me, though, and I think probably this is why Sherelle went with Ray as well, aside from just the man crush that Sherelle has on her film. <laughs> um, to me, I think if you're looking at point guards in, in the Roy Williams era, it's Lawson and Felton. And I think there's a decent amount of separation between those two um, in terms of the point guards and the others. Um, not to say, like, you know, they're head and shoulders, but to me, it's those two, and then you can have an argument about everyone else. So for $5 for Felton, I actually thought that was a great value. So – Shooting guard. Um, Sean, who'd you have for your for your shooting guard? I know Sherelle can guess who I have. Oh, here was Sean McCants. Yep. Yeah, there's uh, no question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to argue with that. What about you, Real? I cheated. I went with Kobe as my shooting guard. Oh, or you... second point guard, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Yeah. I'll allow it. Um, I stuck with the tr- uh, traditional shooting guard, and I went with Jackie Manuel. Um, it fit in with my overall team dynamic, which become available as we go a little bit further on. Um, but Jackie, I mean, national championship winner, guy can play multiple positions. And I wanted at least one player who can lock down basically any guard that's not – or anyone that's not a center um, on defense. And so I went with Jackie um, as my shooting guard. That's basically the analysis. And he's only so $2. We, so you went, you went Felton and Manuel, uh, John, and then – uh, Sean, you went Barry McCants, and yep. then I went Felton Kobe. Yep. Okay, yep. cool. Yeah, and, you know, McCants, uh, obviously, you know, so the, the first team I, d- I did, uh, my friend nicknamed it the, the all-head case team. So, uh, <laughs> you know, probably would have turned Roy old real quick. But, yeah, you know, McCants, I still think from an offensive standpoint that he, you know, offensively could do it all 40% plus from three, strong, you know, strong. Um, so you put him on as a shooting guard and any hit big shot, he had a lot of big shots. So once again, mm-hmm. you're going to give him the ball and, and, you know, right now I got Barry McCants, so I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kobe, I mean, you can talk about it if you want Terrell, but I mean, I think that's actually a really good pick at, at shooting guard. <laughs> yeah. My, again, with, with the way I'm trying, you know, again, trying to their peak, trying to win one game. I feel like having those two in the backcourt as far as pushing tempo would be pretty ridiculous just because Felton could play um, at Cat and Warwick speed and Kobe plays it like the old space balls thing, like ludicrous speed. Like <laughs> Kobe just plays at a speed different from anyone else. Uh, so between those two, they could really, really get up and down the floor. And that's part of how, you know, I tried to build the team. So, so right. another quick question. So similar to the $4 point guards, you have the $5 uh, wings with Jackson um McCants, Ellington, and Cam Johnson. If you guys had to choose one from that, who are you going with? Go ahead, Ralph. I, I mean, I it, it's kind of personal, <laughs> so I have I have I have trouble with. It, but I would go with Justin, um, mm. just because he's such a team player. And you know that, that last season, man, he was he hit everything, um, pretty much in sight. And he was there were times when he was just unconscious, and um. I thought he did a much better as his better job as his career went on of, um, you know, hitting shots, moving without the ball. And he really improved his handle as well. So I just feel like he was just becoming, a, you know, ascending as a basketball player. So I, I probably would go with him. But again, no wrong answer. 
So my head would say Justin and my heart would say Wayne Ellington. Um, just because Wayne is still, every time he shot the ball, it didn't, didn't matter where he was on the court. I thought it was going in. I mean, he could shoot from the rafters and I would be like, he's going to swish it. <laughs> um, but I think with, with Justin though, he just has the size. I mean, Wayne was a good rebounder for his size, but I think Justin gives you a lot more in that department. And, and still, I mean, like you said, Ray, I mean, if you're talking about peak, I mean, Justin Jackson is just—he's an assassin. Yeah. Um, so, I feel, and all of those guys, I feel like, are the ones who, um, like, run the mile in like <laughs> some ridiculous time and could just play forty-eight minutes in a game and not get tired. I feel like all of them fit that profile where they could just run and run and run and run. Yeah, that's what I'm banking on because I've certainly punted <laughs> on the bench. <laughs> oh yeah the the benches i think all of us are going to be like we're going to have some interesting choices there um getting now a little bit up the uh in in terms of height uh, well it depends on the team really but uh power or small forward um i'll start off with this one i went with mr ray sean terry who i don't think a lot of people actually would have picked but for three dollars i mean you're getting someone who could i mean he could get you 25 points at, at his peak if, if ray sean was feeling it um and so I was, I was going for value at shooting guard and, and small forward. I was actually, those were, were my two value positions. Um, so that's why I went with, uh, with Rayshon there. And Sherelle, who'd you go with? I actually went with Jack. So I slid everybody down a position. I went with Jackie Manuel oh, come on, man. as my three. Sherelle, cheating. I'll put Jackie as my three. Just yeah. for, for the reasons uh, John said, I mean, he uh, – we'll explain later. I'll let Sean Well, if, if Sherelle goes another wing at the four, then we'll, we might have some, <laughs> some issues. Uh, Harrison Barnes at the four, yeah. Because, I, you know, I, the, the three I have is P.J. Harrison. Um, okay. I thought, of, you know, one $3, so he was – a little bit less than the $4 guys. So I needed, you know, needed to find some value. And you look at his, you know, at, at a peak 120.3 offensive rating, 40% from three. Now, if I wanted to cheat a little bit, I thought about putting him at the, at the big position since they technically did play power forward, but I wanted to stick within the rules. So we'll see what Sherelle uh, happens to do at the, the next I, spot. I, I stuck in the, I stuck within the rules loosely, you know, uh, I, I picked Jackie, uh, I think because one, he's a smart player and I think people forget that Two, um, really long and really athletic. So, what I'm going for, Felton, Kobe, Manuel, is a team that can really push tempo. And, you know, in a Carolina offense, I don't necessarily – everybody talks about Jackie Manuel shooting. Like, I don't need him to shoot. I need him to, to grab rebounds, which he was good at. I need him to play really good defense, which he was good at. And I need him to be able to finish on the break, which he was good at. And with Felton and Kobe in, in, in my dream world and the team I'm putting together, like, he should have lots of opportunities to finish, you know, in, in the open court. So that's kind of what I was going for with him. And again, he can defend like four positions. So, well, and, and that's why I went with um, with Rayshon just for that outside. And that's the same thing as I don't mind putting Jackie at the two because you know his role is to be the the do everything facilitator and, and defense. Um, and between Raymond and Rayshon and who I have coming up, I feel like I'm going to have enough outside shooting. So let's go ahead and move then to the power forward and be interested to see who you guys picked on this one. Sean, let's start with you. Um. So all right. So the the, the first team. Went with Ed Davis, just right off okay. the bat. Uh, the team that I think is really good, I went with um, Brandon Wright. Okay. Um, and so, I mean, Ed Davis, once again, I, I was kind of, you know, going very guard heavy with the point guard through the wings. Um, and they're going to be taking most of the shots. So, you know, give me Ed to kind of patrol the paint, 
catch some get some alley oops, little you know short hook shots. Um, if it's Brandon Wright, I mean the guy shot what was it, I think sixty five percent from two. Long arms, uh, I think second best shot blocker in the Roy Williams era behind John Henson. So, you know, you got got a bunch of guys shooting from from three. Um, maybe not the greatest defenders. So, you know, they get by McCants or Harrison and they got to deal with, you know, B Wright or Ed Davis in the in the paint. All right. So I went with Gerard, uh, Jawad Williams as uh, as my power forward. And that was a stretch for um, I really loaded up on guys that also won national championships because, you know, th there's something in there where they've been in the big game. They know what it would take to win it. Um, Jawad, I mean, you talk about guy who can hit from the outside. Um, I think he and Terry can actually cover a lot. They're really good to switch on defense if needed. A um, little bit of redundancy, but I think overall those two can definitely be on the court, help spread it out. Um, and, I mean, Jawad's just – he's such a great guy. Um, and, again, he's someone that on a given night he could absolutely explode for 20-plus for if he needed. Um, but, Sherelle, what was your power forward pick? John's been looking at my notes. Uh, I went with Jawad as well. Ah, uh, okay. Um, it was tough because you know who I wanted to pick there, but he was $4. So I, I just couldn't make the math work on Luke May. Like, that's who I wanted as my four. <laughs> I just couldn't – I couldn't – I kept going through it. Oh, I spent way too much time on this today, by the way. <laughs> like, between crying children and, like, doing yard work, I'm like – okay, what if I pick this person at $3 and then switch it this way? Um, but Jawad, I, I feel like he was like six or seven years too early with his skill set mm -hmm. and the position he plays and how the game changed. Um, like Jawad in 2013 or 14, I think he was already a good player when he came along, but I think his value would be so much higher in 2014, 15 than what it was in, you know, 2004, 2005. Yeah. Um, and again, when you're putting together the type of team I had, I was like, okay, well, if I have two – um, you know, pretty good shooters in the backcourt. And then I have someone who's maybe that's not their best skill at the three, then I need to compensate again because I want to have three shooters on the court at all times. And, you know, Jawad brings that inside outside game, like the, mm -hmm. like we talked about the kind of the, the stretch hybrid forward. Um, and, you know, he started at the four for an entire season um, playing inside out. And I just like that dynamic on, on my team. And at $3, I think, you know, we talk about his peak. Um, like that Michigan State game in the Final Four when he just did everything. Like, if, if you give me that, Jawad, then, yeah, I'll, you know, that's well, – I think that's a steal for I don't know if going to be going against Paul Davis every time. but <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Let's wrap it up, guys. Um, starting five center position. Um, and I'll go ahead and kick this one off. I went with Brandon Wright. Uh, $4 center. Um, Sean actually touched on a little bit. I mean, the shot blocking, pretty automatic on the inside, size, long arms. Um, I was really looking for someone to be kind of the anchor there at, at the center position. Um, so with the money I had left, I uh, went ahead and splurged and got Brandon Wright for $4. Sean, what about you? Well, I guess I should have gone with, with the Ed Brandon combo as a center because the other guy, the other big I'm going with is, uh, you know, $2 Deion Thompson. Um, uh -huh. You know, had to had to go down. Uh, so I had to, as I said, prioritize the wings, uh, tons of big men to choose from, but, uh, with Dion, you know, starting power forward, won a championship. And with this team, you got three guys that are going to be taking a ton of outside shots. So pretty strong offensive rebounder, uh, doesn't need the ball a lot. And, and, you know, I think would fit in well with, with the guys that are going to be getting the volume of the shots. What about you, Rel? Who'd you end up going with? Yeah, I went with Ed Davis. Um, okay because yeah. Sean laid it out perfectly. Like um, if you happen to get by Jackie and, and Ray and their um, 
perimeter defense and you had Evan Davis there just waiting at the rim to block a shot. Um, so that was my thinking. Again, if, if Kobe and, and Felton are, are taking, you know, a good amount of the shots, you want someone down low who can kind of do the, the, the junk work for lack of a better term. And then also, I mean, he was, you know, he had that hook shot that he got really good at even as a freshman. And um, who knows what would have happened if his sophomore year hadn't been derailed with injury, but um, high field goal percentage, lots of dunks, lots of blocks. That's kind of what I need in the post. So I went with Ed Davis there. And Ed Davis, all-time shirt under the jersey squad. Yes, yes, I respect that very much. And, and with, with Felton on both of your teams, uh, they're going to be catching a ton of alley-oops. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Well, that's, that's why I wanted Brandon Wright and Jawad Williams as my, as my combo. Um, right, right. Do, you know, Brandon do, Wright. Who do you think has thrown the most alley-oops? I mean, it's got to be between Felton and Marshall. But I, I, I'm I sure Adrian I, knows. We can just go Adrian. Adrian <laughs> probably Felton makes the most sense because I mean the guys he played with. Are, I mean, you know, <laughs> between between Sean and Rashad and Jawad and Marvin and Jackie. I mean, that's pretty David some athletic Noel. guy. David Noel, David Noel. Rayshon Terry. You know, those those are all like really athletic guys. So yeah. I'd be surprised if it wasn't him. Agreed. All, all right, right. The bench. I know this is where the. I mean, hey, look, if, if it's a a true game, I mean, you could. This is where you, you could win or lose it right here. Um, I think it's inter- inter- interesting that all three of us, though, uh, went with guys that can play multiple positions. So if you only have a bench of two guys, you need to be able to stagger. If this was, you know, thinking like a coach, and I'm with y'all, I spent way too much time on this. Um, <laughs> but let's go ahead and give both bench guys at the same time. That way we can go ahead and, um, and debate that. So, uh, Rel, start us off. Who would you have as your two bench players? I had Tony Bradley. Um, he would be my, you know, my reserve post, I guess you would call it. And then I went B-Rob um, okay. and, you know, people, Brandon Robinson, who just graduated again, we're talking about peak. And so I think about, was it the Clemson game where he had 29 or something? He hit yeah. like eight threes and was just on fire. Like the guy could shoot, the guy could score. And, you know, he couldn't necessarily stay healthy. He had a trouble putting on weight, but, you know, I feel like he's someone as my seventh man who come off the bench and a couple shots. That's really all I need. So, um, and he was a dollar too. So I was running out of money, but I, I, I do like him as a player. So. All right. What about all you, right. Sean? Well, so I know I'm cheating with the two teams, but the team with Ed, I got an extra, extra dollar. So I'm going, uh, my all head case team got Melvin Scott coming off the bench. Um, you know, in case Joel Berry gets, gets injured, uh, has to go out a little bit. Uh, you got Melvin coming off the bench to offer some ball handling, uh, but at the same time could, you know, if McCants or PJ are, you know, they're not in it, uh, you get Melvin coming in, hit a few few shots off the bench. And um, then I'm going with uh, with Knox as well because okay. I needed a big guy just in case of foul trouble. He was a dollar. Um, and once again, a, a guy that could just go in, do his thing. You don't need to throw him the ball. Um, and, and so I had Knox on both of them. Uh, with the the B right combo, I actually had Brandon Robinson as well, just because once again mm-hmm. needed a dollar and figured he could come in and knock down some shots. So my one dollar was actually Alex Stevenson, who I feel like is is kind of underrated in Carolina history because Alex, I mean, he he could come in and do a job. Um, and for a dollar, I th- I felt that that he was someone that could come in if I needed size off the bench, um, really help out in case of foul trouble. Um, and I think I think I've said this before, but I, I just remember playing back when you could play NCAA uh, games on the, the actual basketball games. Um, I had the one, the, year, the, the game for the year that Carolina won, and Alex Stevenson that game was a monster. I don't know <laughs> what it was, but they, they had them listed at like 7-1. 
And so he just like, <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> I think that the year that I won it, Alex, Alex Stevens averaged like 25 and 14. It was just amazing. He's a, um, a people for, he was a huge dude too, man. Oh, Eric so was big. massive. Yeah. 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 It's like just muscle. Yeah. So, yeah. so he, he was my one dollar. Then my two dollar guy um, for, to round up my bench was Bobby Frazier, which I'm surprised neither of you got Bobby for two dollars. I mean, uh, come on now. You, you're talking about the guy who went into Cameron as a freshman, um, beat Duke on senior night. I mean, he can play both guard spots if I need him to point guard, shooting guard. Um, I mean, with Jackie, you know, he's going to lock it down, but Bobby can actually hit from the outside a little bit. So for two dollars, I had Bobby Frazier as my backup uh, guard. Well, I, I think I'm going to take Rel's team over yours, John. Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry. And I think uh, so. Eric, I, list I, list them out so we can hear them again. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Sean. List list your 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 best team since since you. All right. All right. I'm going. Uh, I got uh, Barry, Barry McCants, PJ, Dion, mm-hmm. Brandon Wright, B. Rob, and Knox. Then you've got John with Felton, Jackie. Uh, Rayshon, Jawad, Brandon Wright. So you got a huge team. Um, Alex Stevenson and Frazier. Uh, and then you got Sherelle with Felton, Kobe, Jackie, Jawad, Ed Davis, Bradley, and B Rob. I would say Sherelle's team is probably the most balanced. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm going with my team in terms of <laughs> who's going to win uh. one game. Because once again, I mean, come on. Nobody's stopping Rashad McCants. You got PJ hitting threes, and you got Brandon Wright catching oops. Yeah. Then you got Barry, the warrior, coming through and uh, hit, hitting shots when he needs to. If there's anyone who, who, can, who can go toe-to-toe scoring with Rashad, though, it's, it's Raymond Felton. I mean, Felton was, was no joke. Um, hearing it, I, I think I actually do like Sherelle's team a little bit better than mine because Sherelle had the foresight to put Kobe as a two-guard. Um, and I, I love that. I think if you can, I think if you can have Kobe and, um, and Raymond at the same time, I mean, my God, um, I think if I could, if I could maybe change my team around a little bit where I could have those two with, with, uh, I mean, if I could just keep my, my post guys, if I could have Brandon Wright, Gerard Williams, Kobe and, um, and Ray, and Ray Felton, honestly, I don't really care who's that small forward at that point. I mean, like I'll, I'll run with anybody with those four. I was going to say, it's interesting. I, you can go um, to Adrian's Twitter. It's uh, at Free Report Kid. <clears throat> and you just look at how di- everybody went about this thought exercise differently. And thank you, Adrian, for the content, by the way. We really, yes. really appreciate it. It's the doldrums of summer, and we just, <laughs> we really appreciate it. Um, but, you know, some people are like, okay, I'm trying to find the most balanced depth possible. And then I saw a couple of people were like, give me Kobe, Wayne Ellington, and Tyler Hansborough and the $1, and I'll figure it out. You know, so yeah. it's just interesting how people try to build teams. Like, do they go, you know, sorry for this crude example, but do they go the Miami route where you have Chris Bosh, you know, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and then just a whole bunch of minimum salary veterans who are just trying to chase a ring? Or do you go, you know, maybe um, like a hybrid, like Golden State, where you have like four or five maybe future Hall of Famers? Like, how do you kind of, you know, get your team together? And I, I personally, I went with depth just because I think, um, again, thought about this way too much, but if you start talking about Roy Williams and the way he plays, he likes to run. And so I want a team that can wear the other team out where I'm not really reliant on, you know, one guy to do one thing. I, I like kind of cross training and, and multiple positions and all that stuff. So yeah. that's kind of why I, I built my team the way it was, but really, you know, no wrong answers. Just fascinating to see how different people um, go about doing the same thing. 
Well, and I thought it was it was in, in, interesting as well. And um, we, I, I think I, I talked about Sean, um, with 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 Sean a little bit. The seven dollar guys. I mean, you had Sean May, Tyler Hansborough, and Ty Lawson. I mean, three absolute fan favorites right there. Of course, Hansborough, arguably the best Hargill player of all time. But the issue is that seven dollars. If your budget is twenty dollars, you're spending more than a third of your budget on one seventh of your roster. Right. And, and that's just, I mean, it's hard to, to come up with that because if you're talking about winning a game, I mean, sure, you know, Tyler can, can go and get you 40. He's probably one of the few guys on, on that list that can go out there and get you 40 points if he had to. But still, if you have a team that's stacked, I mean, if the score is going to be 125 to 125, that means that your teammates have to come up with the 85 additional points if you're scoring 40. Um, and, yeah, that's why. Uh, I, I just thought it was, it was interesting that none of us went with a $7 player. And I think it was just because, you know, all of us valued depth and I, I couldn't make it work. I tried and I just couldn't, I couldn't convince myself. Yeah. I mean, you look at Sean May and going back to 05, just, I mean, nobody could stop him. So mm-hmm. once again, if you're trying to win a game at the peak, like you, you have to put him in there. But once again, at $7, you, you you lose a lot. You lose too much, you know, on the rest of the rest of the team. So uh, difficult, but a pretty fun exercise, especially just going, I mean, crazy how many years it's been since Roy came and, <laughs> you know, all the, all the talented players, um, you know, that have come through. Yeah. Someone needs to make an all dunk team and just like David Noel first pick <laughs> on there and Brandon Wright <laughs> and the rest. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, all right, you guys. Well, I mean, like y'all both said, it was a really fun exercise that Adrian put out there. Uh, we'll be on, on the lookout for more of these as we continue on with the summer, especially without the evaluation periods happening. Uh, and let us know how you guys like this uh, for, for listening. Like I said, leave us a review. Uh, let us know how we, how we did on the, on the message board. Uh, tell us which of the three teams you think would win. <laughs> and uh, we'll just uh, see how the discussion goes. But, guys, I think we can go ahead and wrap this one up. Any final thoughts at all? Any tidbits to share? Or are we good to go ahead and call this one to an end? Call it. All right. Well, <laughs> for everyone here at Inside Carolina, we really appreciate everyone listening, and we'll talk with you guys again soon. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, brought to you by T-Shirt.com. where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.